You make your own luck. You make your own life. You create whatever you want to create. Hello and welcome to Pivot Points, a podcast exploring the pivot points in people's lives, loves, losses and leadership. Each week, we take our guests on a retrospective, delving into their mindset, perspective and choices at the time of their pivotal moments and what they've taught them in the long run. We explore how the good and the bad, happiness and deep sadness, success and failure are in fact inseparable. And we learn that real strength is born from hardship. We're your hosts, Gabby Miller and Amelia Savall. We're both professional coaches, so in between recording podcasts, we can be found supporting our clients through their leadership and life challenges. Today we are joined by ex-rugby player turned yogi adrenaline junkie, Richie Norton, aka The Strength Temple. Richie has spent the last 10 years working alongside sports professionals and some of the most respected pioneers of human performance, getting actors movie ready and athletes game ready. Richie talks to us today about how his rugby career came to an end, throwing his life off course, and how he pivoted from a typically masculine, testosterone fueled way of life to a holistic, spiritual, meditative yogi. So Richie, thank you for joining us on Pivot Points. Pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You've given us a few pivot points to focus on. And uh, the first one is around the ending of your rugby career dream. But I wondered if you might just start us a little bit before that and and allow us to understand a bit about who you were as a a rugby player. Um, Okay, so it was quite a short-lived career, unfortunately. (laughs) Mm. The, The dream as a child, when I started playing rugby when I was five, I, I kind of felt like I was probably not far off the size I am now. Um, so I was quite lucky to be gifted as a child to one, be quite, you know, big and strong and, and fast. And rugby just was a really great place to express myself. And it was a great escape. And because I was pretty good at it, it was, you know, it gave me a lot of confidence. And I went through primary school and high school and college having, you know, a good profile of, um experiences and and representing my school my college and my county and i just thought right this is it this has got to be my dream this has got to be you know my future right you know it just the doors have opened for me and i got the opportunity my last contract was at uh, chester rugby club and i think i was maybe 18 so it's classed as colts and i was looking to go to the next division up and it was all very exciting because we start to get paid and I was 18 years old I was like wow this is amazing I can't wait this is going to be the future for me I've already like thought about retiring I'm already doing commentary in my head and all this kind of stuff you know and um, I, I was actually I, I was on a bit of a weird weird path with my my school uh, college life I was hanging around with the wrong people and I say the wrong people, but crowds that weren't probably going to do me any favours if I carried on hanging around with them. And I couldn't quite separate the two worlds because I lived in a place that was, you know, it was quite notorious to be 
involved in gangs and stuff like that and you know you kind of like had to like you know prove yourself and you know fight your way through some things and rugby was my way to actually get rid of that frustration and get rid of some anger and I took it out on the rugby pitch and my mum and dad had got wind of me probably getting in a little bit of bother and um, they I think they said you know you need to sort of make a decision here but I was I still wasn't quite sure that wasn't quite enough to push me but I'd been offered a, a contract uh, a rugby club in New Zealand via one of the teammates I had at the time and course who doesn't want to go to New Zealand I was like wow it's the other side of the world I'd never traveled that far of course you're like wow this is amazing but I wasn't still wasn't sure because it was such a big move we just ended my my season and it, that was when my mum and dad were like you're going this is it you're <laughs> going um, because they knew it was the best thing for me to get that space and I did it I went over there and I, I played a couple of seasons. Six months became two years. Uh, I played all over New Zealand and had an absolute scream, went over to Australia and travelled around Asia, all because of rugby. Mm. So obviously what a great dream. It's such a, uh, what an amazing opportunity and I was so grateful for that. But I ended up having to come home. My granddad was sick. My mum wasn't too well and the, the kind of that, that dream kind of was over. Um, and then I got the opportunity to go and play in America. And then the long, short story is I started to get injuries. Injuries started plaguing me when I was 23 years old, 24 years old, just when you should be in your prime. Mm -hmm. So obviously this is a moment when you hopefully going to be signed up and have a professional contract for a few years. And all of a sudden I can't play at all because I've got these injuries. And then the reality hits the pivot point. You know, what do you do? How do you approach it? Do you just give up? Do you try and keep pushing, working through injuries? Or do you look to find another career? Nobody wants to take another career as a professional rugby player. You don't want to, like, give up on your dream or anybody's dream. So, yeah, I guess the, the lesson there was I had to dig deep to sort of stay on it because I, just, I was very angry at the fact that I thought that was it and I had no fallback plan. That was kind of where the coaches, um, more talk from the coaches was about how's your injury rather than like you're doing great or there's all this opportunity and just negative, it just felt very negative and very sad really to just know that was the end of it really. For me anyway, I was told that my knee and my spine were compressed and damaged and I got a couple of concussions and there was all these higher risks from me carrying on playing. Then my granddad passed away, who had organised and I trained with him as a kid and really mentally gave me a solid whack in the face. And that sticks in my head quite clearly as quite a big pivot point. What was that like for you? What was that smack in the face like for you? Um, as most sports people experience when, you know, you're taken down off this, you know, illusion of a pedestal or you know people see you as that rugby player or you had that journey or you're on that path and that was your destiny and that's the way you were going that's what you told everybody you're going to do yeah. it's quite embarrassing it, mm. and it's also it's like it's quite lonely and you, you kind of have to start imagining fitting in somewhere else where you never thought you'd ever have to fit in and I mean yeah this is I, I guess this was really my first experience of something that involved uh, my mental health and my way of dealing with it was um, 
I mean, I moved to London. I was living up north and I moved to London and I thought, well, let's go to Ibiza because I haven't really partied that much because I've been playing rugby. Let's go and just do all those things that I should have done when I was younger. Let's go to Ibiza. Let's go have a rave. So I, I went partying in Ibiza for a season and um, hedonistically just like lived that life and just mm. had an absolute scream and had a blast. It was so much fun. But then I really got lost to where I was going because I, I, I started uh, working as security in Ibiza looking after villas and I used to have teams of people like armed to try and protect villas from being broken into. And I was driving around all the dancers for like the the pre-parties for all the clubs and I found myself like doing all this like close protection security for like VIPs and picking DJs up from airports. So I, I honestly at one point I was like, who am I? <laughs> what how have I ended up here? In just a space of a few months, I just flipped it and went, right, this isn't my story. I'm changing it up. Mm. Um, but really all I was doing, the reason I was letting you into that world is because it was an escape. It was, it was a real dark time for a good while and just didn't really feel like I belonged anywhere. I'm really interested in the UK, especially has this very like laddie culture. Um, do you feel like you were a totally different person? Were you in that? Um, because I captained a few of my teams and I, I had a lot of responsibility as a, as a leader, you know, and, um, I knew deep down I wasn't really that macho lad that was, you know, you know, tough and, and would beat people up and would, you know, rough up the new lads and, you know, smash beers on my head and things like that. I was always the wuss, you know, I, deep down, hand, you know, hand up. I was never someone who lasted the night and I was the one that usually ended up, you know, head down the toilet. But also... I was never that brute lad that just just bit bully people. I was, you know, I would shake everyone's hand, and I was, you know, I, I like to think it's you know gentleman sport, and I really took that seriously because that's how I was brought up. But I know enough professional rugby lads now that still play, or I've come out of it, and we've had conversations where they've had such a role in the in the sport that stepping out of that, it's like coming out of the military. They've, they've all said it's like very similar to coming out of the military where you've got that yeah. testosterone and that strong image and that male energy. It's definitely one of the reasons I've gone into doing what I do, yeah. you know, and why I like working with guys and why I like working in rugby because I've opened myself up to be that person that, you know, is very open about their own journey with it all. Was, was there anyone, I'm really hearing, you, you said the word lonely, about that phase just after that kind of come down from being part of the team, part of the culture, part of the, the game, and to you mm -hmm. in the singular. Was there anyone that you were talking to at that time? I think back then, well, my, my granddad was a big one for me. Dad, I guess, you know, in terms of family, my dad sort of, uh, again, I didn't really want to like bother him with it. It was kind of like, it was, it's like you kind of felt like you were bothering people, mm. but also you didn't want them to worry about you. So I was trying to protect my family so I wouldn't talk about it, that kind of thing, you know, which is, I'm sure a lot of people do. Um, and to my mates, I wouldn't really talk about that either. You just kind of like suck it up. You kind of just got to think, you know, I'll figure it out. I'll get through this. I'll work through this. And I saw it as like a, an opportunity to get stronger and become a bit more resilient and actually toughen up. You know, you'd say that in your head, you know, I've just got to get through it. You'll be all right. You'll be okay. It's just toughen up a little bit. You'll be fine. 
but then you sort of get knocked by things he didn't see coming because you haven't kind of like got that armor that you think you have and really you're a big softy. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about you finished rugby and then you went into the corporate world? So just talk to us a little bit about that. Via Ibiza. <laughs> yeah, well, Ibiza just kind of like slotted in there. It's kind of like a, a summer thing for the next two years, actually. But um, so moving to London thought I'd try the city life. I went into property, very uneducated, very naive, you know, putting money into investments, thinking, oh, I'll just go into investments and I'll, you know, make some money that way. You know, I've seen loads of rugby players do that. Just get smart, you know, and put money in the right places and talk the talk. And yeah, I could be a salesman. Yeah, yeah, easy. This is no problem. I'm young. Yeah, 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 wicked. And then lost a load of money and, uh, got stitched up by someone who saw me come in a mile off and it wasn't the best experience actually when I first went into it and I I just realized I was kind of like kidding myself but I dragged out for a little while I went into the London rat race I I sort of hustled for a while made a few quid spent it all made a few spent it all (laughs) kind of like yeah I've done that now and I don't feel any better I bought, I bought a house, I bought a car, and I was like, yeah, I bought a motorbike. I'm like, yeah, it's cool, but other people saw that. And then that was the key thing. The pivot point in that chapter was some friends coming up to me on various different occasions over a few months saying, you're wasted and you need to be doing more of your time. And, and it was super genuine and it just kind of got me to stop and uh, just address and audit my life and figured out what I was doing. And the next move was was Australia. I think I was 30 by this point. That was a big turning point for me. How interesting that other people saw things in you that you weren't conscious of. Yeah, I think that, I mean, let's face it, how many people are walking around now thinking this is their life and this is the way it has to be and they're in their little bubble and everyone else is viewing them from a completely different lens and they know them in a completely different way for various different reasons and they see all their goodness in them and you have to tell your mate that because they don't see it because they're in that 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 mode that, that space and you know it's, it's so many people stay silent and just watch people just miss opportunities and don't jump in or they just simply don't ask for help or don't ask to get support or get guidance whereas I became a coach because I thought I can be one of those people even just one person I've had the ability to affect that person in a positive way that's caused them to make a change and choose a different path that they're happier with. So tell us about that period so you went to Australia and when did the yoga come in when did the you know when did you evolve into this (laughs) this person? Well I actually tried yoga I was living in in southwest London and I'd gone to a Bikram yoga class. It was quite cool at the time. And me and a few of the lads what I worked with at the real estate agency said, Yeah, this Bikram yoga place, let's go and do it, let's get healthy, let's you know, let's get fit. I've been told it's really good. We all almost died. And I think that was my first experience. Uh, we were all <laughs> sweating, we're all like feeling like nauseous, just big piles of sweat on mats dying. And I thought, this this isn't for me. This isn't for me. Uh, it's not my thing. And I was big into my gym work still, so I was still training, but I was just this big lump of muscle, not functional at all, just really unfunctional and not actually that cardiovascular fit. But aesthetically, I looked 
brilliant, you know, but it wasn't really doing me any favours. It was all um, pure vanity, really, most of it, because I didn't need it for sport anymore. I just felt like it just felt good to be strong and that kind of thing, right? But yoga just kind of passed me by. I went to Australia, met a girl who was a yoga teacher, and she went, come to one of my classes. I think you're going to like it. So I went, and she knew exactly how to teach me and use language that I would connect with. Nothing too fancy, nothing too spiritually woo-woo-y, yogury that often will lose people. And I've experienced this myself as a teacher. She was able to break it down for me to connect with it from an, uh, an, an, an anatomical awareness. So I was able to go through it breathing, struggling still. Don't get me wrong. I was still sweaty mess, dying, struggling, trying to compete with everyone else in the class. But at the end of it, I was like, I feel wicked. And that kind of like gave me a different experience. I realized then there was different types of yoga, different styles of yoga, different methods, different teachers, different delivery. So she became my teacher really. And, and then also on top of that, all the injuries that I was carrying for the whole amount of this time that had stopped me from playing rugby it stopped me from, you know, pursuing any other sports. I kind of started to feel better. And I was like, right, wow, this is, this is like, this is positive. And I decided by that, at that point at 30 years old, I'm going to be that 30-year-old that's going to learn how to surf. Never, never surfed before. Thought, well, I've skateboarded, I've windsurfed, I'll nail it. I literally almost drowned for the first few weeks. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I watched everybody. I thought, too stubborn. I'm not going to do a lesson. I'm just going to get a board and go out every morning and watch all the professionals and just pick it up. Weeks and weeks and weeks of smashing myself, almost drowning all over the place, not having a clue. But it took one wave for me to go, oh my God, this is amazing. The best thing I've ever done. I feel brilliant. And then I met a guy from this Capoeira college where I next then signed up to be, to do a sports coaching course in Brazilian Capoeira and they were all surfers. So I'm then doing this yoga. I've met some surfers. I'm surfing, not very well by this point. And I am hanging around with lots of great people. And they introduced me to this guy who's like an osteopath who's good on uh, muscular regeneration. Basically trigger point balls and foam rollers, that world. Never heard of them, never seen them in my life. Hmm. As an athlete, my whole childhood, never seen them, never heard of it. He did a 45-minute session with me. Trigger point here, release the glutes, stretch your back. Let me get the trigger point here. Stretch out there, relax there. How do you feel? I feel amazing. <laughs> it was like this, this, this moment of like, oh my God, what have I been doing? There's a whole new world out here I've not discovered. And I'm 31 years old by this point. I've been in Sydney for about a year. And then all of a sudden I felt there was hope. And that hope gave me access to then other people in the same world training. I got back into my training surfing made me feel more athletic more diverse with my skill sets and it just it just opened up the connection with nature again that I neglected and movement and the feeling I got the buzz I got from moving and training and nature and outdoors and people and just like boom and yeah that that was that was a, a major major shift in in my life I think it takes quite an enlightened sort of chap especially 10 years ago to go from the rugby identity 
to a yoga identity. Who did you have to be to be open to even going to that yoga class? The mental state is open-minded enough to give things a go. I think if you write yourself off and you put yourself down and you don't give things a chance, you're never going to know. And I'm, I'm always looking for things to challenge me and to, ch- and to mix things up. I think that's just the, the variety that gives you the spice of life, you know, as they say. But, you know, if we just get complacent and just get into our hamster wheel and if we give up on ourselves, we're already decomposing. I already think we're already slowing down and we're not, we're not searching for what, what we're, we're here to do or what we're here to like uh, achieve or, you know, follow our passions. So many people get put down or get stuck in these positions that I feel that becomes their label, that becomes their identity. Whereas we live in a world now, I feel that it's open. Mm. If you want to go and do anything, you've got to go and do it. So if you're going to give up on an injury and that's, you're going to say, that's your story, then that's your story stop complaining about it you've you've chosen that path you know and I was never going to let that lie I didn't quite know what I just thought I'm curious I think that curiosity is is key you know like if you're not curious about what the next thing is or what that next interesting exciting chapter might be life can get pretty dull personally you might be quite happy with your you know your routine that's great but if you're curious about something else or there's something you kind of like deep down, you know, you want to do more, you've always thought about that. I say, go and do it, do it. If it doesn't work out, then at least you tried. And you did your best, you know, but I find that so many people just think, you know, oh, I've got to figure it all out now, or oh, this is just the way it is, or that's the kind of way it's been laid out for me. No, 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 no. You make your own look, you make your own life, you create whatever you want to create depending on how hard you work at it, depending on how committed you are. Everyone can't be good at everything. I wish I could do all sorts of stuff, but I can't. doesn't mean I won't try, but <laughs> it's like at least I've had fun doing it. I might fall on my face. I might not look very good, but at least I know I explored it and didn't quite pan out. But that's my mentality. Same with yoga, same with movement, same with breathwork meditation. None of it came naturally. I just knew it gave me a feeling of positivity and it gave me a feeling of like, wow, I like this. Wow, that's a new sensation. I'm going to give yoga a chance. I'm going to give meditation a go. But I'm going to come up from a slightly different angle where it's making me feel better. My body's not feeling so sore anymore. My mindset is less negative and it's more positive. These are all triggers for me that meant nothing to do with yoga. There's no Sanskrit, you know, words being used. It was like, I just feel better. And that's enough for me. If someone had told you at 24 or whatever it was, this rugby boy, and that was your identity and that was who you are, that don't worry, you're going to end up being a yogi and doing breath work in capoeira. Would that have seemed like even plausible? Nah, no chance. Absolutely no chance. No, I, I was a pretty angry person back then. You wouldn't even recognise. Well, you would recognise me, but it was more, I was fighting the system. I was rebelling against everything, felt super lost. All I wanted to do is kind of go on a road of destruction, really. Very lost and 
the anger and the frustration and uh, yeah, the disappointment was not making me feel drawn to anything along those lines at all. Plus, the stereotype that is the rugby player, you know, was quite close to reality. You definitely don't see rugby players doing yoga. You know, you definitely didn't see anyone talking about their feelings or talking about stretching as a class or doing some meditation. That ritual was for people with with beads, beards, long hair and robes. Mm. And, um, and yeah, it just was not anywhere near on the radar at all. So, yeah, it's a huge dimension shift to be here now. Was that anger just the only outlet you knew for those emotions? Do you think there was more to it? It's often described as very male when you have different emotions, but you only can output them as anger. Yeah, I mean, you could say all of it. I mean, it's going back quite a while now, but yeah, you do have fear. You fear for like what you're going to do to make money. You fear for, you know, how, you know, how you're going to pan out, how you're going to buy a house or, um, you know, sad, lonely. There's all sorts of emotions. It's an emotional roller coaster of like not knowing where to go next, especially if you've really pinned everything on that one goal. And it takes a lot for someone to come down off that pedestal that you put yourself on or that, that dream that you've painted and then to have to start from scratch again. So there is sadness, there's loneliness, there's anger, there's frustration. And I think everyone's going to have a different way to like work through that. I was lucky I still trained, um, even though it was just bodybuilding kind of a thing. But I was still getting that fix of being in the gym. So I always loved training, always loved training, always knew I had ability to put out some good, you know, uh, power output. And um, I was in good shape, things like that. That kept me, training was the lifeline that kept me on because it gave me an opportunity to still get that feeling of like feeling strong and big. And even that wasn't capable to play at the level I was, you know, hoping to get to. So yeah, roller coaster. Do you find that the people who find you are, people who have been through similar experiences is your story all the more resonant with people who have had those peaks and troughs in there for sure people are going to hear my story and they have a similar one they're going to feel a lot more confident to reach out and ask a question Mm. so it happens a lot Mm. not always sports people it can be people from all over the world that have got different walks of life it could be a guy could be a, a, a girl but just someone who feels that, that I, the fact that I've been honest and I've been transparent mm. and I've shared it across the board that it can be any walk of life, it can be any industry, it can be any profession. You're a human being first. And it's normal for human beings to have struggles. It's normal for human people to face obstacles. It's normal for people to sort of have challenging times where they feel a little bit lost. So, you know, you can label that to anybody. It's just, I found that I've been able to connect with a lot of guys, especially because mm. I'm very open about the fact that I had a career or I had a, a very male dominant mm. space around me and I was still able to work through it and I've come out all right. And the fact that I'm honest is, is I guess, why people can relate. But yeah, a lot more guys and a lot of people that have played in sport for sure. How have you been through this year in particular? How has covid been for like this this covid time been for you 
Well, I'm, I'm quite lucky. I mean, first of all, it's a big part of the way I, I manage what I do is to take time out and to do these things in places that I love to visit. And I tend to follow the sun when I can, whether surf, because it has become such a big part of my life. And I like to run retreats for that same reason that it gets people out in nature and various different environments. So for me to be a bit restricted now on where I can go, I've tried to recreate that by first of all, moving to South Wales Um you know, being able to like, you know, disconnect and have that time in nature on my front doorstep to go and surf and go and walk in nature and to, get to take walks, you know, that's a lifeline for me. Um, but work-wise, I've been so busy. I've been very fortunate over, over lockdown um, because people were drawn to the fact that they need to do something with their health because it was under threat and... Mm-hmm. I'm actually quite grateful people have had that wake up to do something about it. It's a shame that's happened in that way, but I love that people are taking more responsibility to get outside and to enjoy their surroundings and appreciate all the things that they have and to do something about their health. And for me, travel wise, I've been so fortunate to be in Wales, but also actually quite enjoyed that grounding because obviously like you said i am traveling a lot and that is such a luxury for me and i love it i'm so grateful for it and i'm grateful to share that with others when i take people away on these camps because it's just seeing people for a few days just like transform their whole energy and be a part of that it's just such an amazing thing to do but i've now been able to recreate that by doing online stuff and using the fit app which has allowed me to sort of train people and you know, do it from their homes and do Zooms from my front room. It's so rare to be sat still for that amount of time in one place, but it's been quite cool. And uh, yeah, I've just uh, I just adopted that new way of doing things. And tell us about when we came on this call, you were talking about the last month or so being quite pivotal for you with your own health. Yeah, well, I guess this is, this is sort of fresh, really. I'm still working through it, but... Um, so over the last few months, I've gone deep into my training again, just really sort of trying to mix it up and keep things interesting as I always do. So I got into jujitsu and just kind of felt like a natural progression, you know, as you do. Uh, you turn 40 and you get into jujitsu and you just kind of step up your training. So I thought I got into the world of swim run, which is like I've now set the target of going to the Ortillo Swim Run World Series, you know, just as you do. So anyway, training <laughs> stepped up, you know, I thought, yeah, this I mean, is he's like, This isn't my experience of turning 40. <laughs> no, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not normal. I guess I've accepted that's just not, not what everyone wants to do, but... For me, you know, my girlfriend is just like, she's just uh, you know, a huge nature lover and she's super active and she's she, with the same people. She just brought the very best out of me. And um, I just want to just make the most of every day and, and really see what I'm capable of. And, and, and again, explore more places because swim run is an international circuit. You go all around the world. And I thought, great, what an experience. But yeah, I, I pushed it a little bit and... Um, I got, I got uh, my windpipe crushed uh, at jiu-jitsu. That was a big lesson. Never quite sort of came back from that. It kind of like it wounded me for a while. Then I went to Sweden to do some training and started 
doing some training with some professional swim runners and swimming in cold lakes in Sweden and, and surfing and doing long distance runs in the cold. I basically had this moment where my, my body shut down and, and it was a bit of a panic attack and, uh, I didn't really see it come in, but I instantly panicked because you, you can't breathe. And it was a pretty scary moment. And, um, I haven't quite come back from it. That was only a few weeks ago, but now I've, I've got some uh, irritation around my throat when my neck kind of goes into spasm a little bit and there's a lot of tension through lots of the muscles in my throat and it's like restricts my breathing a little bit. So not really knowing what was going on was the scariest part and not having the tools or the understanding or, or even being here before to work through it. And um, yeah, that's the current existing obstacle and I'm learning from it and it's it's about being kind to yourself and being gentle and healing and repairing but yeah doing a lot of learning but uh the big lesson I think has been you know seeing how precious life is because when you think you can't breathe and you think you're going to die all of a sudden all the things you thought were important don't seem that important all of a sudden and I think those things put you in perspective quite um quite sharply and yeah, I guess that was my wake up to uh, just checking in on myself and making sure I was doing all the right things and focusing what was in, what was important. It sounds like a very different narrative this time to the last big injury pivot point, which was you coming out of your rugby career where there was so much anger and hurt and fear and lack of purpose. Mm-hmm. now the narrative I'm hearing is extremely positive, kind, so full of self-compassion and a trust that the next step will become clear when it's meant to. I think when you do enough work on yourself, you, you become quite aware of, you know, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, you know, and being, you know, kind of like, you know, you know, your behavior, your personality is a certain, you know, way it is and the kind of things that you like. And as you get older and wiser as I am, um, I like to think I am, you, you kind of like know what, you know, what you like to do and what you want to spend your time doing. And when you do the the deep spiritual work that I feel that I've done by, you know, doing deep practice and going on my own little journeys and, spending time with people that have enlightened you to a way that has completely caused you to like reassess where you're at and what's important. You you start to hopefully then find your own daily practices, your daily rituals and your habits that you know are positive on the right vibration to take you to where you think you want to go. And I'm a big believer in if you do all that you can with the right mindset, and with the right morals and your values are in check and you are taking care of yourself and you're doing what you can and you're controlling what you can control and not getting affected by the world around you too much. You start to feel things differently. You start to tap into your self-awareness and your intuitive nature. I'm a big believer in not ignoring those signs and sometimes those signs are brighter and <laughs> really like in your face, but you know, they tend to be the ones you don't want to ignore, but some are quite subtle. I think you need to like tap into that guidance a little bit more and mm. choose, you You know, tune into that uh, intuition, that gut feeling, as they say. Yeah. 
And I'm a big believer of that. And I'm going to stay true to that. And I believe in purpose and I believe in your path. And I think you just have to kind of like start to navigate where that path is and not ignore it. So, yeah, it's a journey and I'm definitely deep in it. Wow, that's a beautiful note to end on. thank you so much Richie this has been a real pleasure good I'm glad I've enjoyed talking (laughs) (laughs) I I hope it all makes sense and, and it can be seen as a positive chat if you would like to get in touch with Richie he's on Instagram at Richie Norton underscore He's also on his own website, thestrengthtemple.co.uk. He also teaches classes on Fit TV. That's fit, F-I-I-T dot TV. And you can find him on Twitter at Strength Temple. Thank you so much for listening to Pivot Points this week. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do rate, review and subscribe we really read all your comments and appreciate them so much and if you want to send us any questions there is a link in the show notes to contact us and if you love the show we are self-funded we are doing this as our passion project we love it but if you fancy throwing us a couple of quid so we can buy our editor a beer and our social media manager something fabulous for christmas Why not subscribe on our Patreon page, which is all in the show notes, and subscribe for £2.50 a month. If you like the episode, please rate, review and subscribe. You can follow us on Instagram at Pivot Points Podcast, Twitter at Pivot Points One, or email us on pivotpointspod at gmail.com. And if you want to work with us, we are Gabby Miller and Amelia Sabawal, and our details are all in the show notes. See you next time. Bye. Bye.